episode 893. After a first half that had the Green Bay Packers on the verge of flatlining, emergency resuscitation was performed in the form of Aaron Rodgers. The Packers, in the end, overcame Khalil Mack and the Chicago Bears in a comeback for the ages. Reaction to a season-open victory? It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good evening, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central on Cheesehead TV, coming to you live from Wisconsin's capital city in Madison. I'm your host, Brian Carvu, and I'm joined by the for the first time ever by a co-host on this show. A warm welcome to Ben Hofferman. Ben, how does it feel to be the newest voice of Packers analysis? Well, when you invited me to first come on to this, I was, I was just, I couldn't, I'm speechless just thinking about it. But then hearing your intro and realizing this is episode 893 and I uh, basically struck out 892 times running, I don't know how I feel anymore. Well, we are happy to have you on the show regardless of your uh, baseball exploits, (laughs) but... uh, Let's get to this here. What the hell's going on out here? All right. The final score of the Green Bay Packers game this past Sunday, 24-23. The Packers win a comeback victory over the Chicago Bears, marking the biggest fourth-quarter comeback in Lambeau Field history. Ben, your general impressions on the Packers win? It was scripted. (laughs) I'm going to say it. I think I might be the only one saying this. It was scripted. The, the only thing we were, that was missing was a red, white, and blue striped ball, and then we would and an appearance of the generals. We would have known this was scripted. It starts with Khalil Mack. Everyone knows that that was the storyline going into it, and then it ends with Aaron Rodgers basically ascending up into heaven. That was that was the script. <laughs> a half healthy Aaron Rodgers proved that he was better than pretty much any other quarterback on the planet. Uh, maybe with the exception of Tom Brady or something like that, but I don't know of any other player that can go out there basically on one leg and do what he did. I, I mean, I thought the a, a doctor was going to come out at halftime and have to announce over the Lambeau Field PA system that uh, that the, the, the Packers were clinically dead and, and couldn't come out for halftime. They gave no indication that they were capable of that in the second half, did they? Well, it, it starts with Aaron Rodgers going into that tent. He's in there for minutes. You think that Amber Alert's going to be scrolling across the TV like when he got hurt last year. But then, apparently, they needed a hypodermic needle that was larger than that tent, so they send him back into the <laughs> locker room. Then he comes out. And you're right, what, talking about the greatest of all time, Stephen A. Smith said he's the greatest quarterback he's ever seen, said that he would take him in a cage match against a silverback gorilla, and that if needed, he would mate with the man and take the baby to term. And that was only a mild exaggeration. <laughs> And, of course, everything Stephen A. Smith says is gospel. He he doesn't exaggerate. Time to go through our post-game chips report. This is your Railbird Central exclusive blue chips, red chips, and cow chips. Your blue chip players, the best of the best, Aaron Rodgers. We alluded to him already, but, Ben, please expand upon his greatness in this game. He's good. Oh, oh, expand. 
we already have Stephen A. Smith mating with the man. <laughs> like, I don't know. Do, we, do you want me to go into more detail? I mean, feel I free to give as much or as little as you like. I believe you did describe like a desert island scenario with the coconut bras and everything. <laughs> and that's, that's why he would have to mate with him. But anyway, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. Will he stay healthy? That's the real question. Yeah, uh, we can talk about Not that. Not if he's good, but can we keep him upright? I say put him in a bubble cast. All we need is the right arm out, like an electric football quarterback. That's all we need. Yeah, uh, most of his passing yards coming in the second half, three touchdown passes. He was absolutely phenomenal in this game and pretty much the sole reason for the Packers' comeback. I mean, I, he had contributions around him, but... I don't know if the Packers can do it without him, and once again proving the how good he is, which is phenomenal. Your other blue chip player for this week, wide receiver Randall Cobb. He of the game-winning touchdown impressions on Randall Cobb. Well, he had nine catches on 10 targets. That's fantastic. He had 142 yards, 75 of that coming on that TD, and the run after the catch was good. That was very exciting because based on the angle of watching it on TV, you have no idea how open it is. It just kept going. But the fact that he makes that quick move when Aaron Rodgers gets a little time in the pocket, that just shows you how on the, on the same page with Rodgers he is. That's why he's dangerous. Yeah, he has such fantastic vision, not just on the 70-plus yard touchdown that he had that just kind of, you know, he, tur- he caught the ball, turned up field, and just kind of knew to keep himself away from the defenders, follow his blockers. I think Ty Montgomery, uh, I could be wrong in that. Was Somebody was out there blocking in front of him. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Let's just give it to Aaron Rodgers. We're- Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> he did everything. Um, but, yeah, uh, and, and what I thought the Packers did so well was get Randall Cobb the ball with a running start. Uh, not not so much on, on that 75-yarder over the middle, but like little crossing patterns in which he's catching the ball in stride and can just it doesn't have to slow down at all and really you know keep up the speed and just turn the jets on and get past defenders. Right, he's a quick little guy. I mean, he's kind of old hat now. You know, we're kind of spoiled as Packer fans. He's only 28 years old. I remember being 28. I could eat like nine frozen pizzas. You know, that's peak physical condition. <laughs> and Randall Cobb is probably not eating too many frozen pizzas. Although if he did, they would be orbs. No, he's eating beer rocks. <laughs> he's eating Is it beer rocks. too early for the self-plug? <laughs> All right, your red chip performers. The good, maybe not great. We're going to start with another wide receiver, Geronimo Allison. He of maybe the best name on the team, but Geronimo Allison himself scoring a fantastic TD on a deep pass from Aaron Rodgers, but that was hardly it. No, he had... Five catches, 69 yards, touchdown. Now, I'm actually I'm going to kind of disagree with you here. I don't, I don't get to pick the, the chips, and I shouldn't. This is my first appearance in 893 episodes. I'm going to go back to that. But I might actually go with Fuller dropping that pick or the Bears for no reason not running on third and short late in the game. But he looked good. He's promising. I don't, I, it was kind of inflated. He had that one gorgeous touchdown. That makes up most of his yards. So I'm not sold on this. No doubt about it. You, you, are at, you are mentioning critical turning points in this game. I should mention for all the people new to Railbird Central, the, the, the chips go out to Green Bay Packers yeah, you, players exclusively. No coaches, no situations or anything like that. And you can't be a hater and just like, you know, all oh, the Bears. You know, let's, let's pick on the Bears a little here. You can't know. You're, you're too professional for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> 
the other red chip player from this game, in addition to Geronimo Allison. Left tackle David Bakhtiari, of course, offensive linemen go overlooked so often. They don't have statistics to back up how good they were. But in a game like this where the right side of the offensive line struggled so much, especially in the first half with Khalil Mack, you, you had Brian Balaga struggling to contain Mack and right guard McRae uh, struggling as well. Uh, David Bakhtiari just, just held down the Ford at left tackle keeping pass rushers at bay away from Aaron Rodgers, and that was critical in a game in which Aaron Rodgers needed to be kept clean more so than any other contest. Yeah, if you ask anyone how Leonard Floyd did, they'd just look at you like, what are you talking about? What game are you talking about? It's because you never heard that person's name. Bakhtiari just shut him down. You have that one guy that can hold his end of the, of the line down. You can start double-team and chipping other guys. That's what you need. Yeah, David Bakhtiari you know, uh, ended up just last offseason getting the huge contract extension and, and worth every penny for protecting Aaron Rodgers' backside. Did a fantastic job. Now, your cow chips, unfortunately, the poorest performers of the game for the Green Bay Packers. The first one goes to backup quarterback Deshaun Kaiser. Womp, womp. I, I was wondering if you had sound effects. <laughs> I was going to say you're too professional for the sound effects, but you just do it a cappella. Yes. Okay. That's, that's a different level of professionalism. Anyway, but of course, you, your, your impressions on Deshaun Kaiser. I was, just, I was trying to distract us all. He looked awful. He had very little pocket presence. Once again, we're spoiled with Rodgers, who just has, I don't know, a, a set of mirrors up. He can see <laughs> everything. But he was rolled out into a, a strip fumble. He wasn't wrapping up the ball when he was out there that panic and then just dumping it to Mac. It was, it was ugly. I was screaming to myself, when, when the pressure is coming around him, put two hands on the football. Feel that coming. I mean, I could feel it, and I'm watching a TV from hundreds of miles away from Lambeau Field. Uh, unfortunately, maybe we're spoiled by, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, but Deshaun Kaiser did little to prove he is a capable backup it was so bad that i was hearing people going like oh we, we need scott tolzien and you're like what like <laughs> okay we need we need brett Favre back and it's like there's not enough copper back bands and wristbands <laughs> to get that guy back out on the field okay let's not get crazy yeah i had visions of brett hundley last year uh i, I mean it was basically the same type of performance that brett hundley did that was unfortunately lasted games upon games with aaron Rodgers out but it was it was still a small sample size. Let's not hang, you know, you know let's not crucify the guy. We'll see how it goes. But he, he looked inept. Fair enough. I mean, we're not going to take one game and say his career is over. But it didn't, it doesn't bode well for the future. Your other cow chip performer in this game, outside linebacker Clay Matthews. Impressions on Clay. He's still got nice hair. <laughs> I, I don't know. He, he didn't do a whole lot. He, of course, had that uh, terrible roughing the passer penalty where it wasn't even a hit, you know? Like, at least, I don't know. It, it was a boneheaded he, he, play. You he have holds to up be, and still hits him. You have to be aware of what the situation is. Had he not hit Mitchell Trubisky, the game would have been over right then and there. Instead, the Packers 
gave another chance to the Bears, and, and thankfully they held on, but it, w- it was a boneheaded play. But beyond that, just Clay Matthews did nothing all night. He missed tackles. He provided zero pass rush whatsoever. Are, how are we feeling about Clay Matthews' future here? In, in what I should mention is a contract season for him. I, I mean, he's going to be a free agent after the season, and it, it's not looking good right now. We got 15 games to go, but, I mean, if he wants to get paid, he's got to do better. Yeah, I always think he's most dangerous when he doesn't have to be the guy. He doesn't have to. He can just kind of run rogue out there. Someone else is getting pressure maybe. But he's not making those plays all by himself anymore. We'll see if anyone else can can start getting pressure on on the quarterback that he can do that, but... And kudos to Nick Perry, who came up with the big sack at the end of the game. And, and maybe you can argue it was a coverage sack, but it was a heck of a lot closer than Clay Matthews ever got to the quarterback. And He, he was first to pat him on the back, though. <laughs> he, was, he was right there. Good job, Clay. He was right there. Yes, uh, you, you do a good job congratulating your teammates. Um, all right, what we're going to do right now uh, is uh, – have a, a little ad read here. Railbird Central is unsurprisingly sponsored by Beer Rock, where only on game days can you get the tailgate Beer Rock. Wrapped inside a freshly baked dough, the tailgate is stuffed with Jim's Meat Market Bratwurst, Car Valley Cheese Curds, Caraway Seasoned Sauerkraut, and a green and gold side of house-made sweet pickles and yellow mustard for Packers games, and a red pepper sriracha mayo for Badgers games. That is the tailgate beer rock available only on Packers and Badgers game days at Beer Rock 2911 North Sherman Avenue in Madison. We're going to take a quick break here. We're going to get our first guest of the season, longtime friend of the show, Scott McKenna on the phone. We'll be right back and talk more Packers football. Railbird Central is back live at, on CheeseheadTV.com, and we're joined now by our guest, longtime friend of the show, Scott McKenna of the Talkin' Smack blog. He is BuzzBoy3 on Twitter. Scott, how you doing today? I'm fantastic, Brian. Good to be buzzing with you again, my man. Yeah, it's glad, great to hear your voice. It's been a long time, probably January, the last time we had you on the show um scott is coming to us live from denver but a former green bay resident very knowledgeable about the team make sure to check out his thoughts on the team at the talk and smack blog just google talk and smack blog packers and you'll find it but scott let's talk some packers here uh let's talk aaron Rodgers and, and the implications of his injury how much do you think this is going to impact him going forward now you know, really tough to say without knowing the severity of the injury. But guess in, in, in order to answer the question, I would assume that there's something wrong with the MCL, seeing where that uh, little mini brace was, was resting against his leg. And uh, if there is anything that's, uh, that's wrong with his MCL, you'd have to imagine that it's going to hit him for the next three to four weeks. And with that said, you'd, you'd like to, you know, you hate to say it, but it's going to have a significant impact. On the, uh, on the short term of both Rodgers' production and, and likely the team. Uh, what, what makes Rodgers so you need to extend plays with his legs and throw on, and his legs are really what's made him such a supernatural talent. So if his mobility is going to be limited, it's going to be 
more or less a, a, a statue in the pocket, if you will. Uh, I guess I'd say that that's been a severe gap the game plan and limit what Rodgers' ability is going to be to, uh, to escape pressure. Yeah, I, I hope that Aaron Rodgers, of course, is, is gets a clean bill of health here. I, I'm not exactly optimistic of that or how impacted he's going to be going forward, but uh, I guess we can only wait and see on that front. Uh, in terms of the backup quarterback position, how hopeful are you that Deshaun Kaiser can be a capable backup? We were just talking that it's probably too early to to you know throw in the towel on him, but how long of a leash do you look, give a guy that did not look very good? Oh man, that was that was frustrating. That was a really really frustrating uh, half of a quarter of football for uh, uh, you know a Packer fan to be stomaching, and I can only imagine what it felt like to be there. Through the TV, it was just easy to be a fan, feeling a ton of angst uh, and just dread watching him play. And I really wish that this year he was the number three QB with a proven veteran quarterback backup because, believe it or not, I, I'm still fairly confident that Deshaun Kaiser has a, has a future in this league. What we saw in the opening drive of the Bears game when he was in control of the office, uh, uh, offense, and for the most part what we saw – Kaiser in the preseason, I mean, that's kind of who he is. He's a decent quarterback between the 20s, and he really struggles to finish drives. We saw that with the Browns all year with him last year. He was turnover prone and had poor ball placement in the red zone. But my sense is that Kaiser truly has the desire to be a great quarterback. And with proper coaching, and this is what McCarthy has really hung his hat on throughout the duration of his uh, his coaching, uh, he, he should be able to develop into a quarterback that will learn to finish drives and protect the football, especially when we get near the red zone or he gets near the red zone. And if he's able to do that, I think he's a legitimate NFL quarterback. Is it to be Aaron Rodgers? No. But is he going to be better than the sample size we saw last Sunday night? I, I certainly believe so. I hope so as well. Um, Scott, why did you – think the offensive line played so much better the second half than the first half of the game because that really was uh, a big difference in protecting Aaron Rodgers and making sure the pocket was kept clean. You know, plainly stated, it just felt like the offense got into the rhythm, got in, they they found some momentum. And, uh, you know, Rodgers was getting rid of the ball quickly, Routes also appeared to be as uh, uh, as much shorter developing than they were in the half. Uh, the no huddle offense, I thought, was a crucial decision. I thought that that picked up the pace of the game. It uh, showed a sense of urgency to the offense, and it truly were, it, it seemed like it wore down the Bears' defense. And on an individual basis, I mean, you can't give uh, McCray and Bulaga enough credit. They really, um, you know, they nutted up in that second half. Uh, they were truly, I mean, they were seriously individually manhandled in that first half. And both seemed to really dig in and settle down and showed a lot of grit and stepped up to the occasion, gave Rodgers the time that uh, that he needed to, you know, perform the heroics that we saw. Are you there, Scott? I'm here. Okay, we lost you for a second, but uh, you, you sound okay now apologize for any phone difficulties here. Um, but, you know, along those same lines in terms of second-half adjustments, did you think 
Um, what did you think of the second half adjustments made by both offensive coordinator Joe Philbin and defensive quarter coordinator Mike Pettin? You know, offensively, I I thought the adjustments really began early earlier than the, the start of the second half. I thought that when Rodgers went out, um, they 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 became a little less predictable. I don't believe that at the beginning of the game the Packers were showing the Bears' defense any respect. And uh, you know, I haven't uh, you know watched the extensive film of the uh, of the first half again. It's been it's been tough to stomach. But uh, as I recall, other than well, Rodgers was first in. Other than the dump off to to Montgomery that kind of happened uh, due to emergency, it, it looked like the Packers were running lower developing deep route out plays, and Rodgers didn't seem to have any options underneath when the Bears defensive line was absolutely dominating the line of the scrimmage. And when Kaiser came in, we saw almost a shift in the game plan where we saw the returning the crossing route. We saw, you know, Cobb and, and Allison and Adams all catching the ball, um, you know, with a little pace to them, a little momentum moving forward and in a spot where they were able to juke a defender and gain, you know, the yak that we've read so much about after uh, the yards after the catch. And, I really thought the design of the offense, where the balls, the, the, the plays were coming across the middle of the field and underneath the safeties, as the Bears were just playing so deep and daring the Packers to be patient. I thought that that was really a, a great adjustment by by Philbin and McCarthy in the offensive side of the ball, and on the defensive side of the ball. Frankly, I felt the Packers were just really fortunate that the Bears went away from the shenanigans, and I'm, I'm curious that if they would have kept with that gimmick style of football um, and, and with true trickery, I, I wonder how long it would have been for the Packers to solve it. And when the Bears went more, more traditional, somewhat conservative on the offensive side of the ball, we really got to see what I think we're all hoping Petten can bring to this defense. Uh, he was able to show disguise blitzes. He, he really impressed me with how he overloaded the right side of the Bears' offensive line, and he got into Trubisky's face. And when you combine the pet, the pet pressure that he applied, along with the noise from the you know the faithful at Lambeau Field that light that night, and I hear the stadium was just fully rocking, it really felt like the game suddenly became too big for Trubisky over the last 20 minutes of the game. And I think Patton's pressure in Trubisky's face really forced a lot of uh, quick throws there, where he was just extremely off target in that uh, in that. Yeah, the the Packers, you know, defense really did a good job in the second half of clamping down on Trubisky and company. Um, and, and speaking of defense, Scott, are, are these Packers going to forever regret not giving up enough to get Khalil Mack and instead he goes to their division rival who had a big impact in this game in the first half? Oh, man. Um, he was dominant. Mac was dominant. And, you know, he, he's, he's without a doubt one of the elite defenders in all of the league, if not the best defender in all of the league. And in the first half, he looked like he was Lawrence Taylor. Um, you know, I, I'm going to forever wonder, I guess, what the Packers offered for him because judging by, you know, Gutekind's reaction and body language uh, after the trade occurred, and then you, you read what Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams uh, posted on, on social media, it really felt like maybe the Packers thought that they had Mac, and I wonder what they truly offered. And that, I hope someday 
that gets leaked out just uh, for curiosity's sake because he certainly fits what the Packers' most impressive need is. And I guess it'll be extremely logical, I guess would be the word, to play the what-if game surrounding Mac for years to come. Unless, of course, maybe maybe Gudikins crushes the first round next year with a, a couple of stallion edge rushers, and then maybe we can uh, be comparing our first-round pick stats back down the line. But, yeah, it's, it's really tough to seeing him uh, you know, wearing uh, Bears colors on Sundays, for sure. Yeah, knowing that the Bears not just got Khalil Mack, but also got back a second-round pick as part of that trade, I kind of feel like maybe the Packers should have pulled the trigger on that. I mean, it's tough. They don't. They obviously weren't, you know, in the in the conversations between the Raiders and the Bears, but it feels like they could have done that as well. Uh, finally, Scott, before we let you go, just what were your impressions of the young Packers secondary that played so well in this game? I thought, yes, every probably cornerback or safety maybe gave up one reception uh, that maybe they'd like back, but nothing that was, like, back-breaking. You have to love confidence of Jackson and Alexander. They just they bring an attitude, they bring a nastiness, a presence, a swagger to that secondary. Uh, throw King in the group there too. I thought King played pretty well, and then it was just great to see Tremont flying around the field as well. But you know, Alexander is just such a physical, tough-minded tackler. Really under um, appreciated and maybe overlooked play was when he was able to slap uh, Cohen down in the open field with just an ankle tackle. And I think that really showed his strength. You know, Alexander's attitude just it, it can't be stated enough. I just love how he's congratulate and celebrate with his teammates. He's brought a community to the group that just can't be overstated. And I think in the Bears' last drive of the game, it was truly an indication of what's to come. We saw Jackson break up a pass over the middle of the field. We saw King blanketing Allen Robinson down the sidelines on a couple of occasions. And we saw Alexander breaking up the fourth-round pass that Clay was penalized on that should have sealed the game. And then the, the Bears get another shot, and it gets the fourth down, and then O'Perry gets all the credit for the forced fumble sack play. But that was really a covered sack. I think it's, uh, that that's truly goes to kudos to the young secondary because we just looked like a completely different defense uh, during crunch time than what we've been in past years. Scott? Thank you so much for taking the time to talk some Packers football. As always, great to talk to you again. Great to hear your voice. Keep it up, all right, at uh, the Talk and Smack blog? Go Pack Go, my man, and the Bears <laughs> still stuck, brother. <laughs> all right. Good talk, Adia. Scott McKenna, the Talk and Smack blog, joining us here at Railbird Central on a Tuesday evening at Beer Rock. All right. To wrap up the show, we are going to answer some questions we received from the Twitter mailbag. Ben Hofferman back with me once again. Ben, this question from Matt Perkins on Twitter. What is your first impressions of this defense compared to how Dom Capers defense has looked in the past? Maybe I'm going to show that I'm not an expert, <laughs> but it kind of felt similar to me. It, it felt like it's going to be another uh, ulcer-inducing season. Where of the, with the bend but not break of scenarios. But as Scott was saying, I do like our secondary. I think it's, they're going to be much improved. So I don't know. I, I, I wasn't picking up on all this trickery. 
Yeah, you know, I thought that Petten tried to be creative, and he brought some blitzes that always didn't get home. You saw a few times, like, he brought a few overload blitzes from one side of the formation where, like, maybe two defensive backs rushed, but the Bears still got out the pass on time, so nothing really happened um, big. But I, I think those are the type of things that are going to get home in due time the more this Packers defense just becomes comfortable learning his systems and, and the more these young players, especially in the secondary, emerge. Another question here from Stephen Miller on Twitter. He asks, or comments, uh, I really expected to see Mercedes Lewis uh, more in this game given uh, to give help to Brian Balaga that he could have used in the first half. Your thoughts on that? And, and Mercedes Lewis played only seven snaps in this game. No, I agree. It, in the first half, it didn't seem like there was much adjustment being made to the defensive pass rush by the Bears. We, they were getting pressure on, on a three-man rush, and they could have used all the help they could have gotten. And you're right. I, the tight end was underused the whole game. I mean, you could go to Jimmy Graham then next, you know. I don't know what that what that indicates, but he's certainly the run blocker, Lewis. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it, and I can agree here. I think very much. I, I I expected a guy like Mercedes Lewis to play a whole lot more, uh, especially when they did go fairly run heavy in the first half. Obviously, you're down the second half, and they didn't so much, and you understand that his playing time then became less. But uh, yeah, I mean, Jimmy Graham didn't do a whole lot. If Lewis plays more, maybe that, that opens things up more for Graham. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I definitely do think uh, more help could have been given there to Brian Balaga, and I hope to see more from Mercedes Lewis in the future. Uh, one more question here from Eric Sislevich on, on Twitter, and, and this is in homage to the Packer ranter, another friend of the show. Uh, ben, what is your favorite Keanu Reeves movie? Reeves. We're it, getting out of the realm of Packers-related questions here, but we're also at near the end of the show. I, favorite usually imp implies a positive reaction. I don't know if I've had too many positive reactions to, to, to old Quano there. I, <laughs> Matrix. It's got to be the Matrix. I mean, that's no one wants to hear that. Yeah. They want me to come up with some like German film they didn't realize he did, and it has like you know nudity from the waist down or something. But no, I guess just the Matrix. Not Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <sighs> I haven't seen it in a while. Do you, do you, did you see they're making a sequel to, well, I guess... The sequel is Bogus Journey. What's the third one? like? Yeah. Radi radical <laughs> trip? That, that Bill that's, and Ted's that's radical trip. Yeah. Trip on acid, probably. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, um, all right. Let's, let's, let's look ahead to the, the next game here as we wrap up our season premiere of Railbird Central. The Packers take on the Minnesota Vikings, a second straight division game here coming up on Sunday. This one, a noon kickoff for the Green Bay Packers. Ben, what are you looking for in this game? I'm looking for them not to start by running generically, run, run, pass. That's not going to work <laughs> against the Vikings at all. That defense is too strong. They're going to have to come out ready to be running those crossing routes like Scott's talking about, having the quick release passes. They're not going to be able to come out running. But that's not our strength to begin with, and that's not going to work against the Vikings. So I'm looking for something right out of the gate, up-tempo. Will they be able to with a hobbled Aaron Rodgers, though? 
I think that is actually <laughs> like the the recipe when you have a hobbled Aaron Rodgers is to is to have quick releases. Yeah. So I they they can't if they come out running it's going to be ugly and boring. <laughs> ugly and boring. I hope that's not the case. Um, l- let's give uh, the score predictions here. What what is your prediction for this game? Obviously, it all predicates on a healthy Aaron Rodgers, but if he stays healthy, I think they win three, win by three. Let's go 27-24. If he's if he's hurt, the, the TVs are off. So <laughs> nobody knows. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, again, my, mine all predicated here on Aaron Rodgers too. If we if we were to learn for whatever reason Aaron Rodgers is not going to play this week down the road, uh, I, I would totally change. You know, I, I guess maybe I'm not going to change my mind because Packers fans are not going to like this. I'm going to predict a Packers loss in this game, 24 to 20, just knowing that this Vikings defense is good regardless, and maybe that they, uh, you know, uh, one hit on Aaron Rodgers could knock him out of the game. I think the Vikings actually showed some weakness in the secondary against the Niners. They they had they drew four turnovers from the Niners. Still only one by eight, and that includes a dropped wide-open touchdown pass, and and the Niners fumbled on the two going in for a score. Like they only won by eight against the Niners. I don't think anyone's talking Niner playoff runs here. <laughs> so I think that you know the Vikings showed a little weakness that maybe they we can game plan around, but I'm I'm not surprised by a Vikings win prediction. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's going to do it for a season premiere of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us out there in the blogosphere. Thank you to everybody for coming out to Beer Rock today, our huge audience. Uh, but we'd love to see you in the future. Um, thanks, everybody. Thanks to our new co-host, Ben Hofferman. Be kind to me on Twitter. <laughs> see, what, what is your Twitter handle? Saul Binnis? Saul Binnis. All one word? That's what it is. S-A-U-L-B-I-N-N-E-S. Check out his thoughts on the Green Bay Packers. They're few and far between and not too intelligent. thank you everyone we'll see you later we leave you today with a song called mental floss by keller williams see ya go pack go